If you're looking for the next best thing to invest in, try investing in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Visit GoForward.com to learn more about how Forward can help you manage your long-term health risks for one flat monthly fee. That's GoForward.com. It's no secret that writing can be lonely work, but does it really have to be? Whether you're full-time, part-time, or just starting out, you'll get insights into the tricks, tips, and production habits of writers from every level of the biz. From best-selling authors to those launching their first novels, you're sure to be in the company of friends as we encourage great writers to divulge and share their secrets. This is the Great Writer Share Podcast with your host, best-selling author, Daniel Wilcox. Hello and welcome to the Great Writers Share podcast, a podcast where we hijack an hour or so of time from some of the kindest and hardest working writers around today to join us on the show and discuss everything that makes us tick, raw and bounce. Today, we're going to forego the usual format because I have a special Christmas guest and Santa has pulled along my favourite Christmas elf of all time, which is the one and only Luke Condor. How are you doing, Luke? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Um, I'm glad I'm out of Santa's sack mm. and out in the open air again. It's very warm in there. <laughs> Sticky for some reason. <laughs> Just the best place to start, but <laughs> what a way to go. But it's, we're, yeah. Santa's sack, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I figured that, you know, it's Christmas and we can get a bit more informal. And you're you're one of these people that obviously, like, people who listen to the show know you. Number one, because you were the really? first guest on this show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, number two, because we did 50 episodes of the story studio together. Mm-hmm. And number three, you do get mentioned quite a lot because obviously you're a fundamental part of my journey as a writer. And I hope I'm in some way fundamental to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I mean, for the people who have missed out on some of those episodes or some of those sort of mentions and whatnot, are you right just to give us a little overview on what you who do, are who you, you are, who, who the hell are you, Luke Condor? Uh, yeah, so my name is Luke Condor. It's Condor spelt with a K. Spelt like the bird, but with a K. I am a writer, filmmaker. I kind of a bit of an all-round creative, I guess, these days. Uh, but I started Hawk and Cleaver with Dan for five years ago. 2015. Nearly five years ago. Uh, we started the other stories together. Um, my voice is the voice that you hear saying, these are the other stories. Oh, um, chills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We've been, we've kind of just kind of found our feet around the same sort of time, really. Although mm. I haven't written 50 books like you have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. I can't yeah. believe when you posted that the other day. Fifty books. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, some of them are ghostwritten, so they pamphlets. won't be in my name. But you've done fifty pamphlets now. Crap. That's doubled. It's doubled since we last spoke. Dark Horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we've done them. Um, we we've done a lot together. Like, yeah, twenty fifteen, which is mad because it's pretty much five years, almost to the week to the day in which we sat down and all had our first Hawk and Cleaver call. Nearly, yeah. Because I'm sure that was around, yeah. was that mid to end of December? I think it may have been between Christmas Day and New Year's Day mm. in that weird week. Yeah. Maybe, and, I think maybe. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I had no idea what I was getting into. Matt, had, well, I reached out to Matt about how much I loved his book. He gave me some advice on Zins of Smoke when that was launching and sort of helped me give it a bit of a boost to the the top of that chart. Mm. And then got pulled into to the madness that is Hawk and Cleaver and it's kind of like spiraled from then. But 
I don't know, like how, because obviously we had you on the show uh, in January and we were talking sort of about goals and things for 2020. Yeah. How how do you see your journeys changed over like the last five years? And I know that's quite a big question to start with. Um, yeah, well, uh, I was thinking about this quite recently. Um, 2020 has been a bit of a weird year for me. Um, Just for you, for no one else. <laughs> primarily <laughs> for me, I think, maybe for other people as well. Mm. Um well, so I found like 2019 was a really good writing year for me. I really liked what I wrote and I wrote on my on my side of it, what I consider a fair bit. Not not quite as much as what your word counts are. Uh, but I realized what I was writing. Um, two of those books I wrote in 2019 are with publishers now. Um, I self-published uh, another one, which I was quite happy with. Um, and then 2020 came around and I found myself, I don't know why, I think I found myself in a bit of a, a year of discovery. So mm. I didn't intend to do this, uh, but I think I was trying what it was, I was, I was writing another novella and I found myself touching on the same ground again. And I was like, I was feeling a little bit, uh, I don't know, I don't ever really like to feel like I'm doing the same thing again, just because it's it comes quite naturally and it's easy to me. So then I ended up um, working, I, I don't know, I just started on a path of learning. So I was like, um, started to learn games development. So this year I'd learned how to program uh, C-sharp scripts and I've made like five or six games now. Not huge games, in the, in the same way someone would write a short story, that those kind of games, short games. Uh, but that was always like a black, like a black magic to me before, like a dark art. Like I couldn't understand how you play a game like inside or something like that. And you, you don't understand how code and images can make it, can come together in that way. But now, mm. Now I feel like I've got a really good understanding of it. And coding was was not natural to me at all. Like it's it's I'm so glad I've done it and it's given me a lot of confidence and has taught me a lot about the overall creative process. And I've got I've got a lot of takeaways from gaming development. But um uh yeah, so I feel like this year's been been a crazy one. When I said I've made a film, not a short <laughs> film, like a feature film, which is like a a, a no budget. Um, made in my uh, garage kind of film, but it is a feature film. Uh, so that, and I've had, I've been talking to uh, some interesting development companies about that. So I don't know. I just, and my writing has really taken a step back this year, but that's all changing this December. <laughs> I'm writing, okay. I'm writing again. Watch out. <laughs> Uh-oh. Why, what, yeah. what, what are you doing with your writing? Well, that no, sounds just, really ominous. <laughs> I uh, know. I just, I just mean like uh, I was looking at my word counts, and although I've done it. all this other stuff, yeah, like, like the last four or five years, I've been doing like two hundred thousand words a year along those kind of lines, mm-hmm. and then this year I was like, I've done like fifteen thousand, and it's nothing. Like it just feels like absolutely nothing. But because I've been doing all this other stuff, that's taken three months, three months per project, um, so the years kind of got away from me. But seeing that has kind of inspired me to to get writing again. Um, yeah, it's been weird. It's been weird, but it's not like I haven't been doing any publishing stuff. I've had my, I've been going through the slightly more traditional publishing route, which is interesting. It's nothing like self-publishing. No, talk to us a little bit about that because obviously you you wrote quite a few novellas and things last year, mm-hmm. and then you've pitched those, and now you've seen more of the process of that side firsthand. And obviously, uh, well, yeah. is it two of them have been? Except yeah. obviously, I don't think we can go into huge details on them, but. Yeah, so they're both uh, accepted and are due to come out. Um, one of them was supposed to come out August this year, 
but um, I think COVID has kind of delayed their mm. production schedule. Um, so I will say that the wheels of publishing in the more tradition, and this is only like small press publishers, so they're not they're not like the big five. Or is it, is it down to big three, big two now? How yeah, many is it? Maybe three or four. I can't remember. It's been okay. quite a few mergers. Yeah. Um, so oh, another merger. <laughs> so <laughs> they. Um, it's very slow. It's so slow. And they're so different as well, these two publishing companies. Um, I would say it's not that dissimilar. It's just um, you don't have as much creative control. You can't just say, I'm going to put a book out. Here's the cover I want to have for it. Here's the marketing plan. It was weird because I, I went to a couple of the publishers and said, I've made this cover. And they were like, okay, nice. Thanks. <laughs> we're, we're, this is kind of what we we do this bit now. Yeah. Um, editing process has been more intense on one of the one of the projects um in the sense that they're asking more about um context and it's more of like a a line edit rather than like a copy edit which i guess i'm more used to the self-publishing side of things um yeah it's just it's, it's quite similar surprisingly similar but very different <laughs> yeah i don't know that i'm i don't know i'm in the position like because i I do have a want in 2021, I think, to potentially write something and put it out there and see if see if it gets picked up by by anyone. But at the same time, there's such a like the only reason I feel like I would want to put my book into the hands of someone else is audience building. Mm -hmm. Because in terms of the process of actually publishing a book, like you say, there's not all that much that's just dissimilar. And when you self-pub, yeah. you can you can keep all the control yourself about the things that you like, which arguably whether or not you understand the market as strongly as maybe someone else that like publishes other people. Um, but I think that's, that's the only real reason. Cause I feel like I want to do it and I don't know if it's for my own ego or what, but there does seem to be something validating about having someone go, yes, actually your book is good to publish or good enough to publish through us. So there, there is, there is that validation, but it's very fleeting. So you <laughs> do get that kind of validation of like, someone likes it um if you're like me uh in my kind of my natural mindset is to immediately move on from that and start thinking mm -hmm. no one no one cares or like you don't hear back from your publisher for a, a month or so that which which apparently is is quite normal for some of them because they've got a lot of a lot of stuff going on um and then you'll suddenly think oh why haven't you got back to me i must have they must hate me now oh god what have i done um yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, uh, but it's strange because when I see Max Booth, he's he traditionally published with loads of core companies and then he self-published uh, We Need to Do Something. Mm. And now that's been that's been filmed as a, it's been adapted film already by Josh Malaman's company. Um, and he just self-published it and it, it seems to have got a life of its own. So I don't, I don't know which, I, I don't know if there's a correct answer Mm. Or which is the correct route anymore no it's hard because a lot of my understanding of publishing now if you want to if you want to particularly make certain moves and certain plays it's networking and it's playing a little bit of that game mm -hmm. like you can self-pub and you can build a successful base for yourself as one way to grab attention because obviously anyone that then sees that you're already selling they're going to want to get onto the back of that bandwagon mm -hmm. But then there are, and particularly within horror, um, because obviously I've, I've I launched Devil's Rock this year, and we've been publishing in and out of horror and things over the past few years. Yeah. Um, 
there is a i don't like the word click but there is a kind of like clicky mm-hmm. um there's groups there's there's people who it's very very useful to know it's very very useful to kind of at least get your name in the mix and to be get people aware of who you are and i think yeah. sometimes when you're submitting all the short stories and different things like that like that serves in your favor in that way and then that mm-hmm leads to potential things later but it's never it's never a guarantee it's, it's not a guarantee in any way like the whole no the whole publishing thing is still a gamble so there is there are clicks um i think another word for that is just friendship groups so people <laughs> who sort of are just close friends and they kind mm. of and you kind of feel like you want to get in on that action because they're having such a great time um but but you're right i, I do think you kind of want to get into those groups because they obviously have like pulling power with audiences um, I kind of, I'm going to bring up Max Booth a few times because I feel like Max Booth is uh, the ideal of the modern horror independent slash like hybrid author. He's he he podcasts with all of the names that of people from those different groups and traditionally published authors and and filmmakers and comic book makers. He has that coolish podcast. So he's networking. He's covered that base. He's traditionally publishing with like bigger. Small small press companies, what were they called? Fangoria Press published one of his books and uh Semi- I can't remember. Cemetery Summit. They published uh, Cemetery another- Dance. Yeah. Cemetery Dance. They uh published another of his books. Um and he's also self-publishing and he's got his own perpetual motion mm. machine publishing press. He's he's kind of covering all the bases. And he's also a fantastic writer. Uh so it's, it I feel like if you doesn't matter what genre you want to get into. Um, I feel like Max Booth is is the uh, is the ideal. Lose yourself in it, and yeah, 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 and it has to be genuine as well. Like we've we spoke yeah. to Max on the the Story Studio podcast, and I think it was probably around episode forty ish. It was one of the last ones that we did, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people want to check that out, then I definitely say that's well worth a listen. Just to although that that will be quite not that was three years ago, so yeah, that's crazy. He's, yeah. he's done a lot since then. Um, and he's never stopped. That's the thing. He's never stopped. Perpetual Pro- motion. Yeah. Wow, he's found perpetual. Yeah, exactly. live in his company. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, go on, sorry, man. Now I was just going to say, um, you mentioned earlier as well about um, sort of. I, I can't remember it in what context, but it came up about celebrating and sort of like taking a moment to appreciate your wins. We we oh, traditionally yeah. both used to be quite bad at that, and mm-hmm. I still am. Have you gotten any better at uh, celebrating your wins? Because you've done, like you said, you've done a lot this year. You've got the feature film, you've developed games, you've had uh, another comic successfully kickstarted, um, you've had books taken by by publishers. Do you are you still as bad at taking that time to celebrate as as me? <laughs> Probably worse this year. Um, in terms of overall mental health, I feel like I have not been putting uh, the effort or concentration into my mind as much as I have done in the past. Um, and that thing is like a, a car, like it needs constant maintenance. Um, so yeah, I, it's, I've, I've kind of let let it sort of rust that kind of part of me. Yeah. Uh, so it's only like the past month or so, I've really started to um, get back into not self improvement, but just sort of self maintenance, making sure that I'm being grateful for, for good stuff. and talking to people talking to people on the phone i found has been really helpful when i was making the film um every you, you do a little bit every day um and some days it goes amazing it's the same as writing some days it goes amazing some days you feel like you're an absolute boob and you're like <laughs> i need to talk to someone 
Um, and then I had this friend, Matt, who's also making a feature film, um, his first feature film as well. So we just talked on the phone about it, and which is probably what our podcast was originally at the story studio. It's kind of like you just need to chat to someone about what's going on, and it kind of grounds you. Um, yeah. It keeps you going. I'll be honest, I do miss that podcast. I've gone back a few times this year and listened to some of the earlier episodes, um, particularly, obviously, with great writer share. This is going to be, I believe, episode 68. So there's a, a nice backlog behind and over time you get better at podcasting and you get used to nuances and, and whatnot. And it was like, for me, it was really interesting to go back to the, uh, the first one to five episodes and yeah. just remember where it all came from because I were remember... We, were we quite nervous? We were very nervous. And I think at the same time, there was an element of bluster from, from me particularly because mm. I... You've podcasted before, so there was some familiarity within that arena for you. But for me, it was it was a complete plunge in the dark. Like you suggested doing the podcast together. I was like, okay, no, like it's your fault that any of this is happening. But there was an element of me feeling like, because I was going into the space in which we were talking about writing and we were not, I hate the word thought leaders, but we we were putting, we were putting our thoughts and our opinions on the pedestal for others to listen to. And there was a part of me that was like, okay, well in that case I have to, pretend to be a little bit more uh, professional than I actually am so I think in the early episodes it's a bit more straight laced for me there's not as much there's not as much fun because I think I'm trying to like communicate intelligence and experience that wasn't there it's, it's weird um when you because when you I think I was the same same way and you kind of um uh stress about it a little bit more about how you're coming across to people um and because you're stressing about it I think you come across a little bit worse it's only when you mm. sort of accept that uh, you are who you are that you kind of um make bad jokes or yes yeah and we also had really surprisingly good guests i was i think that was one of the things that blew me away as well was how quickly up the ladder of um quote successful people you get and how quickly you can build those relationships with people and just like how how willing people are to come on the show and just talk to you about craft and and, and writing. Obviously, the story studio was the whole point was it was just any creative endeavor, and it was just talking about the art and the love of art. Um, but it still blows me away some of the guests that we had very very early on, and some of those friendships that still circle and come back around today. People we keep in contact, like I had a yeah. Ian Rob Wright on this year as a bit of a a comeback, and it was just good catching up with him and just remembering yeah. that he came on that show. Um, and he was also one of the first indie authors to ever actually reply to a tweet that I'd sent him just saying that I appreciate his work. And that had such a huge impact on me. And it was such a tiny little like note. I've got to say, I was listening to your interview with Josh Malaman as well. Um, and I feel like you're interviewing prowess or you're interviewing uh, skill or whatever is um, you come a long way. I think it, not that you weren't in a start out from a I good wasn't. place. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like I was listening to it and you sounded so comfortable. And I was like, you're talking to Josh Malaman. Do you do remember that you're talking to Josh Malaman? I mean, I will um, be honest. The secret was like three whiskeys before we started speaking. <laughs> that's what it is. It was that's whiskeys. It. Just yeah. get drunk. Like I'm literally sat here next to a bottle of Red Label and some of that's gone just because I'm talking to you. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. But that, yeah. I mean, it helped. Yeah. Like, oh, don't get me wrong. That, I think that is probably up there in, in, in my top few interviews of all time what's your um, top top two interviews 
Oh, I'm scared to say because I don't want to upset people. Um, like Josh, Josh is definitely up there just because number one, he's an incredibly talented guy and he's, he's yeah. done some fantastic things, but he's also... He also had a very nice laugh. Did you know? He had a very nice laugh. Yes. Just like, he's quite... Uh, He's quite a cheeky, cheeky yes. little chappy, Josh. I liked him. Yeah, sort of and he's kind of he's an artist. Yeah, first and foremost, like he's the definition of an artist, and I think I really appreciate that because he's also not one to bullshit the process or what it takes. Because, like, what's the point? Like, yeah, just it it doesn't get you anywhere. Um, so he's up there, and then oh, I don't know. I think I'm going to be biased because it's going to come back to another horror author, but Jonathan Jans. That was. Uh, you realise I was on the show as well, don't you? Well, I can't <laughs> use the people that are currently on the show, can I? I'm only joking. And I mean, if anything, you've been on this show more times than most people. If yeah, one of these days I'll be in your top two. You'll be in my. You're always in my top two. We did a fucking podcast together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've done lots of. We've written three books together, Luke. Two novellas. Yeah. Three novellas, maybe. Short stories. We've done lots together. You know you're my boo. You know you're my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, Jonathan Jans was a good one just because again, for me, it comes back, it's not even it's not even down to their process or them as as writers, it's them as people. Because mm. Jonathan Jazz was just such a good human and he was such a positive guy and so, so transparent Jazz. and honest. Jonathan Jans. <laughs> Jonathan Jazz, that's a cool name though. Jonathan Jazz. Jazz. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was there. Um, Jans. Yeah. <laughs> Jan Tans. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I I don't know. There's, there, there have been a lot of interviews over the years that uh, I've just I've just massively enjoyed. It is yeah. I tell you what, it is it's a different experience um, interviewing other people solo. So I think that was one thing I was cautious of when starting this podcast was um, the story show that we did together. And if you go silent or if something happens, you've got someone there back up. Yeah. Uh, and just there are moments. There have been moments in interviews. Obviously, people weren't here because of the, the magic of editing. Where like I do remember one quite specifically at the end of last year when there was a lot going on in my personal life and yeah I, I asked a question they answered it went quiet and then I literally just froze and was like okay I'm just gonna need a minute <laughs> I don't know what it was but like something just happened and for about yeah. two minutes I was like okay well, no, I'm you back just blame it. zoom just don't just, move just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just don't just stay still until you thought of your next thing I am um, better yeah no you, you sound you sounded very very comfortable I didn't you know what I was listening to Tim Ferriss podcast a lot recently as part of my mind maintenance, that's a good podcast to oh yeah sort of get yourself ba- get yourself back into the. Um, but he, you can hear that Tim takes his time. Like I, yes. I imagine, like sometimes between questions, he just sits there silently and thinks. Like you can just kind of hear that he um, he doesn't rush for anything. No, um, yeah, that's a good podcast. What other podcast are you listening to at the minute? Any other mind maintenance kind of podcasts? Yeah, I've got a couple. Um... Tim Ferriss. I listen to Impact Theory with Tom Billiou. Um mm. Danica Patrick's Pretty Intense. Yeah. Um is that about tense? No, unfortunately, no. It's not it's not about glamping. Uh no, she's a an ex racer, from what I understand. And now she's kind of entered that arena of getting experts on her show and just picking picking their brain apart and stuff. So oh, okay. you'll normally find that people will do a circuit as well. Because like Seth Godin was on Tim Ferriss recently, and then he's on a bunch of other podcasts. And Matthew McConaughey's been everywhere over the past few weeks because of his new book. Yeah, yeah. I was following who, who was it? I was listening to. Sometimes I do that. I'll I'll follow the person along with the with the podcast tour. Mm-hmm. They talk about a lot of the same things, but if it's a person yeah. you're really really inspired by, it's it's worth following them like a digital groupie. 
Yeah, I'm just having a look to see what I'm, um, if I've got anyone else that's sort of specific in that arena. Yeah. Um, oh, Gary V. I'm on him. Gary V. Um, <laughs> Gary V is an interesting one. <laughs> I really liked his, uh, it was like a YouTube show. I think he YouTubes his entire life now. But there's a YouTube show. It's like he would find, he'd go to, not boot, boot yard sales, car boot sales. What did he call? Yard sales. Oh, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, yard sales. And he, yeah, and he'd go to these like yard sales. And he'd buy. He'd film himself buying these like toys and trinkets and stuff. And he'd get dead excited about the buying badges or whatever. And then he flipped them on eBay. And he'd make like tons and tons of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me think I might go to the car boot sale and, and do some uh, flipping. There's money uh, to be had. Yeah, but then um, you just look at him. He's so passionate <laughs> about his trinkets and knickknacks. <laughs> like. Yeah. I'm not that passionate about knickknacks. Like I would look at a toy and think that, that no one's going to buy that. <laughs> yeah, but then someone—that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like someone, someone will. And then it annoys me when I find out that toys that I once had in the loft that we threw are worth like yeah. three, four hundred pounds for some reason. Yeah, I wouldn't mind flipping furniture. Um, I, I did it like out a of anger. project. <laughs> yeah, just because it's just a good stress reliever. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind flipping furniture. I did. Uh, I upcycled some bookshelves, and I found that really therapeutic and just cool to see. There were ten pound, I think, these bookshelves that got someone had thrown them out, um, and it's just really, really satisfying to sort of mm-hmm. sand them down, oil them up, oil myself up. Beautiful, yeah. Why not <laughs> go for the? I mean, you've got the hell of a bushy beard now. Like you're going for it's, the full, full lumberjack. Accidental. I actually got rid of it fairly recently, and it, it seemed to resist and it's grew back yeah it, does, it doesn't quick. seem like it listened to you <laughs> i think it was only like a month ago i trimmed it all the way back wow yes it, it's not normally this fat. it's it's my winter coat i guess mm. well your also, thing used to be that when you were working on a project you wouldn't shave so you could always yeah. tell how far for a book you were by <laughs> how hefty the beard was yeah that's true um i'm thinking this year this year is the project so maybe i shouldn't mm. have shaved for for 2020 oh well. um what, um, what podcasts have you been listening to or, or what specific things have you been doing to get your mental health back in check and to shake off the rust? I have been, I mean, I've always been a journalizer. Um, I think I've told you that many times that I journal every morning, but mm-hmm. we've, we've renewed vigor. I've been sort of delving deep into my mind. I've been just doing lots of, um, give myself lots of gaps of time to think, <laughs> which sounds really, really dumb. But like just having like a um, just free writing in a notepad, put some music on, put the Tenet soundtrack on or some nice. game soundtracks or something and just think about who, what, what do I actually want from this crazy? Who thing am I? I? Who, I, I? Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it helps. I mean, I think especially with this kind of year, I was having a, a soul searching year, um, trying a bits of everything. Um, and I think just just sort of asking myself the questions a lot. I was um, watching. There's a YouTuber who you will know actually called Jack Conti. Uh, Jack Conti is in a band called Pumple Pumple Moose, something like that. But which you won't know them. But uh, he's the CEO of Patreon. He's the guy who made Patreon. He's been a YouTuber in a band for a long, long, long time, and he made Patreon because he. Um, wasn't making any money um from youtube ads so he wanted to build this thing but he's got a great youtube channel where he posts kind of creative um how to's and ins- creative inspiration videos and that kind of thing and he had like um a year 
a year in review or like how to plan for a year, one of those kind of videos. And it, the biggest concept that kind of stuck with me was yeah, something called a retro, where you look back at one year, three year, five years, and you, you really dip, dive deep into what worked. One, not only what worked, but what you really enjoyed, mm. what, what the projects that you got really lost in. Um, so just kind of doing smaller versions of that has been really helpful. Um, also not noting down my mood. Uh, also running a lot more again. Hey. Um, which I was going to talk to you about, so now you've been doing it. Mm-hmm. Running a lot more again and eating better, eating a lot better, doing some pull-ups. You know why I'm doing pull-ups? It's because we tried to do Tough Mudder. Uh, yeah, I couldn't that... lift myself up on that chuffing that ring thing. That killed me so much. Like, Because I, I went back for the second attempt, anything. didn't I? Yeah. Like, because my hand slipped and I was like, ah, it's just because I've got a slippy hand. So I dried my hand. I was like, nope, it's because I'm weak as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, had, I, don't, I was so confused. It felt like um, my body betrayed me. Like, mm. how I got to the point where I can't lift myself up. So that, was, that was a brutal, like, just for, <laughs> so for listeners, we did, was it a 5K or a 7K? 5K, yeah. It was a 5K, uh, mud, tough mudder. Uh, and there was no mud. It was a hot summer day. Like, there was no, like, tough you dust. expect to get wet and dirty. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of dust. Um, and two things, two things I remember very vividly from that day, and one I probably shouldn't remember. Number one is the sort of monkey bars at the end where we both sort of quite epically failed. Yeah. And the other one was they had the the steel scaffolding A frame that you had to climb up one side, and it was yeah. sort of nets and things across it, and then down the other side. And because I climbed down the other side backwards, I turned around to sort of jump off and run. And there was just a metal bar there. And I full on just like smacked my head on the metal I bar. I, didn't, I think you were there. slightly ahead of that point, And I was trying not to show that it got me. <laughs> so you but put I your kind down of, over your forehead. Yeah, yeah just, just running along, just like stars, just trying to connect which one was the real Luke Condor. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was a, that was a fun run. So yeah, uh, so... To, to fix that, I now have a pull-up bar. It's one of those that you kind of hang in the doorway. I've got one there, and yeah. I have that just by the kettle. So whenever I go to make tea, I drink so much coffee and tea. It's, it's, it's a bad habit, but it's just, I really enjoy it. So what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> All right, I'm not judging you. <laughs> every time I'm boiling the kettle, I just do five, five pull-ups. Mm. And I couldn't do like three in a row when I first started. But now I'm on like 20 or so. You can't see it. It's made no difference physically. <laughs> so you have to do it for the love of it. For the mm. love of lifting myself up. <laughs> <laughs> when no one else will. <laughs> exactly, yeah. What yeah. if you find yourself in a pull-up contest? Surprise pull-up contest and you can't do it and everyone knows you can't pull yourself up. Or yeah. you find yourself hanging over the side of the cliff. Demart. If you're looking for the next best thing to invest in, try investing in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Visit GoForward.com to learn more about how Forward can help you manage your long-term health risks for one flat monthly fee. That's GoForward.com. Yeah, I, uh, so I did a nuclear race last year yeah i know nuclear nuclear countries do nuclear races i know (laughs) but it was it was 7k and it was 70 obstacles um and it it took two and a half hours it was it was grueling um and there were points along that journey where it was a very similar thing where i just i had to skip a couple of things that annoyed me because i just didn't have the muscle strength but also Mm. like the four months previous to that i had intense back problems so i did as much as i could um but I found that 
as long as I can be agile on certain things, I can trick the strength. So they had this massive wall at the end and they had people with like rope and they're trying to pull themselves up and you have these huge guys that it's all slippery and muddy because that one, it was, you, you went for a lot of bulks. It was very, very wet. And I came up just behind some people and I was just like, if I don't do this on the first attempt, I'm going to fail. And this wall must've been about 20 foot high, it had little ladder pieces and then just rope. Yeah. And I just went and just sprung up and then got the end. And it was just, because it was the last hurdle as well. Every last inch of me just, uh, I managed to make it. But I'm not happy. I wasn't happy with the performance because you feel like you want to have done the obstacles. That's kind of the, it's like a kid going to a park and Mm. not being able to get up the ladder on the slide. Yeah. What was was the point then? I failed as a kid. And they're not cheap as well, those races. Some of them aren't. Yeah, they're not, yeah. Mm. Uh, We should do another one. I um, I mean, you've been doing running anyway you did your first 10k this year right mm, yeah that was uh so, that was an experience because i it was probably because of lockdown i i'm confused by what happened this year what time is uh, and who i am uh yeah. so often like this year for me january and february doesn't exist i just that january i cannot remember what happened in january and february apart from i moved house in december but that's not january and february um yeah, yeah it's not but yeah. but yeah i I don't know. I just I just decided to do the uh, Couch to 10K app because yeah. like, we've done 5Ks. I've done 5Ks with people before and I wanted whatever that next challenge was. And the Couch to 5K, uh, Couch to 10K is all incremental. Have you have you used that app? Was... No, but I'm, I'm fairly certain I would have done something similar to yeah, build up yeah. to the 10K. It's just, it's just incremental and it's... You yeah. pick which sort of week you're comfortable starting on. In the beginning, you're only really doing about 2K and you're walking and alternating between running and jogging. And after after 13 weeks, which, you know, three months-ish, um, isn't that big a, an amount of time. It would Just like we were saying earlier, there's something about noticing quite noticeably your, your progress as you go on. And I found that with running, you get to a certain point where when you first start running, the pain is your barrier and the yeah. discomfort is your barrier but i think we've said this in the past um, privately as well with running you get to a point of discomfort that you can just deal with it's just manageable discomfort which is what running is so you get to a point where going from 1k to maybe 3 or 4k is a bit of a challenge then going from 4k to 10k isn't really that bad yeah it's just pushing your boundaries a bit more there's like parts of your muscles or joints that are just not used to moving in Mm. that way so just everything hurts but you do get you get to a certain point where it's manageable. It gets to a point where it can be as difficult as you want it to be. Yes. Like you don't, you can go for quite an easy one. Though I always feel like if I think to myself, I'm going for an easy one, it'll end up being really difficult. It's only when I go, right, I'm, it's going to be difficult. Let's get ready mentally. Then mm. it becomes quite manageable. It must be just um, your head preparing for the shit yeah. and like giving you whatever that extra fuel is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my first 10K was actually an accident. Whoops. Yeah, I didn't I didn't put that in the post uh, to celebrate. But it it was like I, I believe that day it should have worked out about nine, a little over nine. And it has it still had like a couple of sort of scheduled 10, 20 second breaks in that. I think it had about two breaks um where you walk it. But then I was running along waiting for the stop to come and I pulled up to where my street is. And normally I'm like, because I'd managed to find out what the distance was on certain circuits, so I could time it up quite nicely with me getting back to my house. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's not gone. All right, I'll just keep going. Kept going, <laughs> kept going for another five, 10 minutes. And then I looked at my thing and I was uh, on my Fitbit and just went, oh, I'm nearly at 10K. I might as well just hit that last 10K. 
And then when I checked my phone to see where the, the app was doing, the app had frozen. Oh no! But it worked out well in the end because I did a, I did a ten k. What um, are you going to do a half marathon next? That's like kind of the next step. Uh, yeah, I think I think so. My twenty twenty one. Some of the big things I think I want to do is dial back on the amount of stuff I'm doing because I did do a lot this year and I haven't stopped. Um, I'm aware of that. And although I'm proud of what I've done, although like I have done a lot of really, really cool stuff, I am at the point where I can feel myself just fundamentally exhausted at this point. So two things I want to do next year. Number one, factor in more breaks. And number two, really regiment some kind of um, workout routine that includes running because I run every other day when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and that run at the minute is anywhere between three and 5K. Yeah. I've kind of pulled it back a bit just for time-wise more than anything because i found that when i was doing a lot of like seven eight nine k runs it is a good hour of your day like yeah. a couple of times a week i, I do find as well I, so i normally do three runs a week i do find if i do and i normally do a longer run on a sunday and if i do a 10k um it will kind of knacker me out like mentally when i get home i'll just probably have a nap or watch something and drink tea and fall asleep and i'll go in a bath or something it genuinely does kind of take it out of me so now i have to kind of think do i want to be tired for the rest of the day or shall i kind yeah. of pull back a little bit and do just do five miles or something mm. um has it affected your writing do you feel like you've learned something from running that you can apply to your writing left hand right hand yeah, yeah no I, <laughs> I don't know i think it helps when i run in the morning mm-hmm. to energize and focus my mind um and to get me to do the things that I want to do. Like I, I can feel the mornings when I haven't gone out for a walk or a run or just done some kind of fresh air. I think that's one thing that I have learned. Um, I very much, because you're very, very sedentary a lot of the day, just getting out, getting some fresh air, getting your body moving is is like nothing beats it. But I think if I had done running before writing, I would have learned some lessons. But I think a lot of the lessons I had in writing, I took to running because it's incrementally oh, okay. building things up. So you know that you can set a baseline and understand what your baseline is. And obviously when we were writing books together um, Mm -hmm. a few years back, we, we had our own sort of word counts. We knew what we could get each day. And I've learned over time that I can build that up and build that and build that up like, like a muscle, like anything. So I think if had it been the other way around, perhaps, but if anything, I took the lessons I had from writing into running. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting one. I mean, um, it's just, because you just reminded me of it. Um, the Tim Ferriss episode with Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, yes. Is that one yet? Yes, of course I have. Yeah. That was one of my favorite recent podcasts I've ever listened. That's the kind of podcast I find certain episodes that I will just revisit. And I've started to keep a YouTube document, a YouTube, sorry, <laughs> a, no, a note uh, on my notepad, on my notes app um, of just podcast episodes that I'll go back to that I can revisit if I'm feeling sort of drained. Mm. Um, and that's that's gone on there. There are but, certain people. Seinfeld's just Seinfeld's one of those. He just yeah, just the way that he phrases things and thinks about things. Very very, just it's very very black and white. It's very logical. It's very clean. This is this is do's and don'ts, and I think that's very very helpful sometimes to because I think one thing that I took from that particular podcast that I've been bringing into mind. It, it was weird because I, I was I'd literally um, started doing it a few days before that episode. Is when he was talking about constraining yourself. Yeah. And saying like you give yourself a window of time that day, and that's when you do the thing. He's talking about writing jokes and things. So that's the that's the time you do the thing. 
And what I found with my writing at the minute is that because I have the whole day to do it, I let it drag out. Yeah. But I can, and I know I'm capable of uh, sort of big word counts in short amounts of time if I can strain myself. So I started like just dedicating a time slot to my writing each day. And that's, that's why I give myself. Yeah. And then anything else, because once, once I've hit what I want to within that time, it's like, well done, pat on the back. And it's like what we used to talk about when, when you've done your words in the morning and you know that the rest of the day is clear to do whatever you want. There's like an achievement in that. You feel like you've won the day mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, that was the concept I was thinking about again. I miss winning the day. Um, when you get up in the morning and you sort of cram through your to-do list quite early on, mm-hmm. and then by one o'clock, you're like, you've, you've finished, like you've kind of won, and anything else on top of that just feels kind of playful or, you know, just good. It's just gravy on top. Um, Bonus points. Because how yeah. are you managing your time now? Because you uh, we i think so in january we, we talked about it bullet yeah journals. but oh yeah are you still bullet journaling yeah yeah okay because i was going to ask it feels like from the outside looking in because this year i've been less involved with the other story stuff and you've taken a big brunt of that in terms of like the production and stuff mm. it feels like there's extra work there or like it feels like you're obviously doing a lot here and there so how are you managing all your projects and all of your time around obviously work because you're you're, you're full-time aren't you yeah yeah well it's an ever um it's a it's a process mm. it's just sort of constantly finding it um i i don't know i mean i think i do constrain myself actually to be honest i have a couple of systems that i haven't really thought about but i guess they are systems um I have an app called streaks yes you've heard of that one mm-hmm. um and i have like a, a bunch of like stuff that i have to do every single day journal um uh, meditate which i've been doing a lot this year actually which has been I, really helpful i say need um, to get back into that that's another thing for next year yeah it's surprisingly uh surprisingly how often i fall asleep there <laughs> um, <laughs> drinking you, a lot more water. you morning meditate um, recently it's been morning uh but i quite like to do it in the afternoon so mm. around about two o'clock i'll get really tired mentally Same. and i'll do like a, a meditation slash slash snooze <laughs> and um i'll be ready for the uh, afternoon um i do one lesson a day and this could be anything like a youtube how to do something it started out when i was doing the game dev i was like i'll just do one lesson of on coding or um asset production or one part of game development and it just carried on from there so i always do, try and learn something new every day i have um um uh read a book i've got like a timer for that which i do every day I mean, all this stuff is just every day I have to do this. I have to write. I have to do some dev work, which I guess would be maker's time, whatever you call that. It's just like a timer. I, I get it going and it has to be some sort of creative project. Because I think I had to just call it dev work because I'm like, hmm. I'm not, because I'm doing a bit of everything in a minute. I just have to cover all bases and, and just kind of, I don't know, have to mark it down somehow. So th- I guess there's that. And I sort of take those off every day. Still working quarters. Mm-hmm. Breaking broken down into months and then broken down into weeks and then broken down into days um and I, d- I do feel like i'm maybe not so good at longer projects which is something i probably want to work on if it's over four months i'll f- i'll forget about it or it would maybe it's a good or bad good thing or bad thing i don't know because if i'm not thinking about it it must not be that important to me <laughs> i mean you hope <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I definitely need to get better at 
again, I need to get better at forecasting and giving myself time to look ahead because I think I'm very much Joe Marvin the Martian from Looney Tunes, like little yeah. legs. It's like, blah, blah, blah. that's just, just oh, me. I'm just, I, I found myself in a position in which, particularly this year, with it being like my first full year of being um, full time mm-hmm. and having to manage my ghostwriting work with sort of my own projects and stuff. I feel like this year was really an exploration of what I can fit into my time. And that doesn't necessarily correlate to what should I fit into my time? Um, because. Yeah. So you can probably fill your car with clowns, but do you want clowns in your car? Exactly. It's, it's good to know. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't help you get there faster. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm being a lot more <laughs> deliberate, but I have also found this year, like probably the biggest lesson I've had, or biggest uh, surprise I've had this year for myself is my tangent into the nonfiction arena and like supporting author stuff because author services and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously we've we've dabbled with um, a couple of short story courses that we've done for um, people to come on board and learn how to write short horror stories, but I don't even though I've podcasted and done all that stuff, I've never really felt I had the confidence or the know-how or the expertise to go into that arena. Mm-hmm. But then published collaboration for authors this year, obviously great writer share is still running started doing the next level Author podcast with, with Sasha. And now there's just like a bug. Like I'm really enjoying actually working physically with people on their books, on their writing, on their projects and, and helping with that. And what is surprising there as well is that, I wasn't expecting it to reward financially, but it also is, which is like not yeah. the entire onus, but obviously it's a bonus to, you know, keep Ernest keep supporting bonus. and going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting next year. There'll be a lot more from me of book coaching, of like running my boot camps. I've got a book on productivity that I'm sort of putting out and and working on at the minute. Um, but that 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 was an avenue that if I had thought about it in March, April time would never have happened. I was very, very heavily fiction and I still am. And I still, I still love writing fiction, but I think I've now gotten to the point where I've written so much for other people and in areas that aren't necessarily aligned with where I want to go long-term that now yeah. I'm starting to be a lot more deliberative about what I want to work on and where it's going to go. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, I think I'm in a very similar boat with in terms of writing. I will now only write fiction that makes me that I want to write. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I know it took, it took me a long time, but I think I know exactly what kind of writer I am. And it's not the most commercial, which is fine. Um but but you're it's, very good at it. I feel like I do I'm love your work. naturally tuned to writing weird, <laughs> weird horror and weird comedies. That it's just what naturally comes out and that's that's just what what I and that's what I enjoy doing. That's what, so we what's, what did it say in the Story Studio podcast? Not ours, the the, the new one. Um, oh, uh, John, genre therapy. They call it genre therapy. I think ah. where you, they kind of try and help someone find what genre they're naturally attuned to. Um, yeah, I'm naturally attuned to the stuff that's probably never going to make a ton of money, <laughs> but that's <laughs> completely fine. Um, uh, so, and I just feel like I'm just keep that's that's i'm keeping my sovereignty on mm. that because that, that is um i don't mind doing other stuff on top of that but for this particular type of thing i don't want to dilute it and i, I think that's um i don't know that's just that's just the way it goes maybe it'll evolve over time mm. maybe i'll be less um strict about it yeah what about you 
Well, I mean, it was interesting because when we when we first started writing together, we thought we were being commercial. Yeah, and we did, and yeah. yeah, and in yeah. a way, we were. I do think that you know the Rot series particularly um, is probably the most commercial thing we have done. Mm-hmm. And I think it hits a lot of tropes, and obviously, it does get good feedback. Um, but since then, I have gone down a rabbit hole of chasing the money, yeah. and there's there are a lot of lessons to be learned going down that path. And like, I've met people on the way, like I've, I've seen inside places that I would never have got access to before. Um, but what I am finding interesting is that most people, not obviously not everyone, but quite a lot of the people who originally went down that rabbit hole and on that similar journey to me are in a position where they're U-turning and they're going back to the things that originally made them joyful from writing. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that I've lost a little bit towards you know the latter end of this year is the joy of writing new fiction mm-hmm. um and part of that is I, I i'm not in any way complaining about ghost writing because you know it's ghost writing can give a very stable income and a very decent income while you're yeah. working other things but when your sort of salary job is ghost writing and you're using that fiction muscle and then you want to write fiction and you try it and that's also a fiction muscle it's very very tiring can imagine yeah, yeah and and so that's kind of i guess kind of where some of my love for the non-fic com- stuff has come from it's a totally different uh, side of your brain refreshing i imagine yes you can mix it and match it so mm. um I, th- I i guess where i want to go with my fiction i i want to write horror i'm definitely like i just keep coming back to horror no matter what i do um horror actually it's the best genre <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's so, so, so wide-reaching it's so yeah in you can be purple prosy you can like create yeah. all weird shit you can go literally anywhere um, but I don't know if you if you know this, but actually at the beginning of 2020, one of my goals, one of my projects I was going to be working on was I was going to be writing an urban fantasy series with quite a well-known uh, urban fantasy author. And I got 20,000 words into that that novel and just went, no, no, it's like mm. nothing resonated. It just didn't feel right. Um, when I was doing that on top of ghostwriting for other people as well, it was it was just a whole lot of not me, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely coming around a lot more to, because I've i learned I can write fast. Mm-hmm. I've learned that I don't necessarily want to. Yeah. Um, because I enjoy the slow, deliberative process of getting familiar with the world, playing with the word choice, really kind of diving deep into the edits and all that kind of stuff that I've just not had a chance to do for a while. So, yeah. yeah I mean, this is a, is a compliment, but you are a, a, a quite a flowery writer. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I do mean that as a compliment. You are a very good wordsmith. Are you what? Well, no, what a better way of putting it is rather than saying flowery. Is you're very playful <laughs> with your prose. So you. I imagine I can see you uh, um, kind of wanting to play a little more with the prose, mm-hmm. and not rush past it, and kind of enjoy that playing. Uh, yeah. a little more as, as you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. I've got a, a novella that I bought a cover for because I just saw the cover and was like, I need it. Um, yeah. <laughs> about six, seven weeks ago. And that story has been stirring over into my head and it's going to be very, it's going to be very literary <laughs> to be honest. It's, it's just going to be deep yeah. and heavy and weird. And like, I, I know where I want to go with it. And it's one thing that I'm going to sort of treat myself to in, in the new year, but I'm still letting it percolate at the minute. But yeah, yeah. I've always, I've always had that sort of love of word and tone and style and how you can kind of like play around with it and stuff. And, mm. um, I think that was one thing that lent quite well to our books was yeah. I think the stories 
I, I, I love the stories. I think the stories were strong. I think that we both sort of brought our own individual elements to the narratives and came up with a good pro- product. And actually, um, hopefully, <laughs> I've been saying this for a couple of years, hopefully we'll have another one out soon, um, yeah. which maybe we'll discuss after the after this. <laughs> We're going to talk about some pinouts as well. Oh, the... the Yes. And then followed it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll mark those two things. Um, but yeah, I guess sort of in a roundabout way, because we're coming up to the hour mark now. Um, what, two, two questions. Uh, number one, if you could narrow it down to one particular lesson that you've learned from this year, what would it be? And number two, what are your expectations? What is it? What is the number one thing that you want to achieve in, in 2021? Um, lesson learned from this year. Um, I don't know. That's quite difficult. Um, I would, um, I would say it's something along the lines of, um, uh, you're able to to do bigger things than you think. So you did the ten k. Mm. I I used to think ten k was like impossible. Yes, like it just seemed like an insurmountable distance. You're actually able to do quite amazing things. Um, so you you kind of have to have faith, a certain level of faith in that. So I made a feature film this year with nothing really, no money, and that seems insurmountable. That was like an insurmountable task, but it's 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 not. I mean, you you kind of have to just accept where you are at the minute. Accept there's a big distance between you and this this big mm. unattainable thing, whatever it is, and just kind of have faith that that it is attainable. You you can do it. Um, yeah, so I guess I guess this year that lesson has just kind of been um that's that's my big takeaway from this year um yeah 2021 um i'm building a, i'm going to be writing a lot more um i'm going to try and i have been quite i keep seeing your small press stuff and i keep thinking yeah. i would there's part of me that really wants to do uh that for my for this this other genre that i'm really into called bizarro mm but and make it like a, a sort of a literary adult swim kind of a small press i love but, it but it's, it's work just, yeah that's what i mean yeah and i don't know if i can i can do that i'm still trying to simplify uh down to um what what i'm good at and and trying to that's gonna be hard for you because you do you i'm trying not to like inflate your ego too much but you are good at a lot of things because you understand learning and you understand the process and what it takes to get there. And you experiment so widely with, with so many different mediums. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a a good thing and a bad thing. Um, it just take away from focus, but I just love experimentation Mm. and I I love sort of trying stuff out and thinking, I wonder if, if I did that thing I learned in Photoshop in after effects in a, in a weird, and I could make an animation. Um, that, that's a, that's just a, that's part of me. I'm just, always sort of feel like i'm in a laboratory mm. well, i feel like my laptop is like a big um um schoolyard i can play in and, and make crazy stuff in um so i have to try and get away from that to some extent and just kind of focus but, <laughs> but I don't it's think hard I can. yeah you got all the toys at your disposal well, so when i was doing the i was doing like um these little poems i guess as well mm. they were like tiny tiny stories little flash fictions um and i feel like that's a very very distilled version of what what I do and that was kind of a um that was my breath of fresh air from doing all the craziness like the big stuff just going no let's just do it to 50 words 
to write a story in 50 words. Did quite a few of those as well. Yeah, I'm still going to try and make a book out, out of that. Nice. Quite a fun project. Mm. Yeah. But what about you? Same questions to you, really. So, and yeah, I, I have think... a, a quick fire round for you, which I didn't think you, you were actually. Expecting. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, it's throwing me off now. So, the, the biggest lesson from this year, um, I I I will cheat and do two. Number one is one that I've I've mentioned already, which is um, I've learned where my limits are in terms of working too much because uh i've i've worked constantly even even through all the pandemic like but i also think that because i i wondered i had my, my brother was furloughed i had lots of friends that were furloughed for various reasons and i wondered whether or not if i was furloughed whether i'd stop and i just don't think i would i think i would have just continued as i did i don't think there's anything there is nothing that I would have done differently this year but i have <laughs> taught myself to appreciate the need for rest and those sort yeah. of moments of restoration in terms of your creative well and inspiration all that kind of stuff yeah um the one thing i want to achieve in 2021 i'd i'd like to be fully independent in terms of dropping client work that would be amazing but i think more than that i just really want to try and strike balance between work and personal life because i think one of the biggest challenges is uh, when you're working in this kind of, of business is in a way, everything feels like work mm-hmm. because if you watch TV shows or films, their story, if you're playing games, it's story. And there's, there's always a part of you that's ticking. There's always a part of you that's working and looking at how you can incorporate things in. Yeah. And I actually stopped myself for a long time playing longer video games because this is why I play rocket league. I think for the exact uh, yeah, same thing. it's really rocket league's like, it's kind of like the same reason that I watch the same sitcoms again and again, because yeah, they're short yeah. enough that you can duck out, but you don't for four hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I started recently, I picked up a uh, last of us two and yeah. I've been playing through that sort of slowly and taking my time and deliberately forcing myself to just enjoy it and just get lost in it. And that's, that's been very, very useful. So yeah, I think balance um, next year is, is, is one of my main things. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, so uh, it's time for our regular <laughs> weekly quick fire round. It's going to get your flashbacks. It's going to be a bit quicker than your quick fire rounds. I didn't really think about this until it's too late. We've only got seven questions. <laughs> Super quick fire round. Um, is you wait? It's normally ten for you, right? Number ten questions. Yes. Okay. So now I've done eight. I'm adding that one in there. Okay. So nearly at ten. Okay. So are you ready to go? Yes. That's nine. <laughs> Um, okay, who are you? Daniel Wilcox. Ten, this is going to be 10. Okay, the, the first real one. And number one, underneath all of that hair, uh, you are secretly bold. True or false? True. Can you keep a secret? No. Oh. <laughs> Stephen King or King Kong? Stephen King. Mario or Wario? Mario. What was your birth position? Uh, Prime. <laughs> it's amazing that you have that memory. Um, <laughs> I was like, Beth. You have to, were you really? Mm-hmm. You have to pick your starting Pokemon um, Bulbasaur, Squirtle, or Charmander, or Josh Malaman. Josh Malaman. Uh, speaking of Pokemon, if they asked you to <laughs> rename the word Pokemon, what would you change it to? Uh, Chronomals. Well, that's pretty good. Mm. that's pretty good uh and that's it uh oh no we have a bonus question 
where can we follow you in your work? <laughs> you can find me and everything I do at danielwilcox.com and that's W-I-L-L-C-O-C-K-S. And same to you, Luke Condor. Where can people find out all about you? Uh, go to lukecondor.com, Condor with Kate. Um, follow me on Twitter, Luke of Condor. Instagram, Luke of Condor. I'm Luke of Condor everywhere, pretty much. So, yeah. Luke from the Condor. Gives a Google, yeah. Reminds me a little bit of uh, Yvonne of the Yukon. Yvonne of the Yukon? Yeah. Did you ever see that cartoon? No, I don't think so. He was a, a French guy that I think, I'm remembering this wrong probably, but he's a French guy that got washed up in like Canada. Like He turned into ice and then melted years later. I, yeah, I'll, I'll send you some links. All right, okay. We'll yeah. put it in the show notes for anyone that wants to find out more about Yvonne of the Yukon. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, th- thanks for joining me, man. It's been uh, great to catch up. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we will see you next week and have a very, very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, filthy everyone. animals. we went totally different ways with that (laughs) thanks for listening to this week's episode of the great writer share podcast from all of us here at the great writer share podcast crew we wish you a happy and fruitful 2021 don't forget you can get early access to every episode of the great writer share podcast and the chance to ask guests any of your questions just by becoming a patron of the show all you need to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash great writer share and support the show for as little as one dollar a month one more time, that's www.patreon.com forward slash share. Until next time. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hi, I'm Jackie Johnson, the beauty talk shock jock, and I host Natch Butte, a podcast that explores the self-care space while laughing, yelling, singing, and keeping things cruelty-free. Oh, yeah. I gab with celebs, makeup artists, female indie brand owners, and fellow funny folks about what beauty and self-care mean to them, as well as what's in their bags. Looking good while doing good. We are voting with our wallets. We are buying cruelty-free products, and we are having a goddamn blast laughing with our pals while we do it. That's Natch Butte. This is the Natch Butte Pod. Welcome, baby. Listen to Natch Butte on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, 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 Acast recommends. recommends.